The information in this podcast is not intended to be used as the primary basis of investment decisions. Any forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance, and actual results may differ or other factors may change. Welcome to Making Sense, the podcast for anyone interested in diving into the investing and finance space, hosted by us, Emma and Carmen. We are interns at Red Thread Ventures, an investment and advisory firm based in Vancouver. From interviews to startup advice, we will take you on our journey as we learn more about the finance industry. With that being said, let's get right into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Making Sense. We are super excited because we have the first guest of our podcast here with us today, Marco Donadeo. Marco is a director at Red Thread Ventures, and last week we gave a little taste into private equity and what it is. So we highly suggest that you give that a listen if you haven't done so already. But Marco is an industry professional in the space and has a lot of great insights to share. We are super excited to hear them and for you to learn with us. So with that being said, Marco, why don't you tell us about yourself and your role at Red Thread Ventures? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Carmen. Uh, I've actually been investing publicly since I was about 12 years old, so roughly 15 years ago, uh, managing my portfolio with a variety of different asset classes where I've had some great success and some pretty substantial failure. Today, my role at uh, Red Thread Ventures is titled as the director of the fund, uh, where myself and two other directors help manage the operations, deal sourcing, deal flow, and raising capital while also bridging the connection between entrepreneurs and investors. Overall, we kind of manage the entire portfolio. Awesome. It sounds like you're quite experienced then in the public market. So how did you kind of make that tr transition into private equity? Was it mostly through Red Thread Ventures or anything before that? Uh, well, to be honest, my, my father, Lorenzo Donadeo, was uh, an extremely successful entrepreneur. He uh, happened to start his own multinational energy company called Vermilion. It's still trading on the NYC and the TSX today. So I knew coming out of university that I wanted to be a little bit more entrepreneurial and, and follow in his footsteps, so to speak. Uh, I've always been pretty well versed and interested in investing. And in my opinion, impact investing or investor in smaller companies is a little bit more meaningful you feel as if you're making more of a substantial uh, contribution to the company is almost being the entrepreneur without physically being the entrepreneur, so to speak. I knew uh, venture capital would always be the interest uh, industry that suited my interests. That's awesome. I love that you touched on to like impact investing, especially as it becomes more and more popular. And what you were saying about kind of being an entrepreneur into those companies itself. Last episode, we were talking about how with private equity, you kind of get to like be involved with the roots of a company. So with that being said, in your opinion, what are some other big differences between public and private investors that you have noticed so far? It's 100% ideology. Um, coming from a strong public investor background, uh, the way you evaluate and consider companies is completely different. Uh, I'm personally a believer in what's called the Warren Buffett approach in the public markets. And uh, essentially that's understanding company structure and fundamentals. And uh, those are largely the contributing factors that help 
uh, focus your narrative as an investor. Um, whereas in private markets, it's a lot of that foundation and fundamentals may not even be established yet in these companies. And it's based a lot more off of the entrepreneur's ability to actually push the product or company forward. Uh, in addition to having a good idea with a good solution to a problem currently present in today's society, um, you need the actual management team to push the products forward. Definitely. Um, I know beginning in this kind of investing space, me and Carmen have been trying to read a lot and kind of catch up with uh, what's, what's happening and all these different strategies when it comes to investing. So the Warren Buffett approach, that's something that I've been re reading recently on. Uh, so really cool to hear you touch on that. Um, additionally, last episode, we were debunking some myths that we've noticed because we've only been working in this space for a little bit over a month now. Um, so our, we had two big takeaways on stuff that we thought um, wasn't really properly represented when it comes to private equity investing. Um, is, in your opinion, is there any other big misconceptions surrounding this style of investing? For me, uh, it would have to be the underlying message that you're gambling. Um, to be fair, a lot of people are going to be right in stating that 90% of startups uh, fail. However, a lot of these failures come from fundamental issues that are easily identifiable in addition to people not seeking out the appropriate advice that they need from appropriate sources. So when you're in a position to, to provide that advice, as well as identify those fundamental problems, it, it's less so gambling and more so educated uh, betting is my, my perspective. As a private equity investor, it's kind of your obligation to provide scope and advice to your investable companies and identify these fundamental problems prior to investment. And you need to be able to, to actually provide on those three kind of metrics in order to have a portfolio that's going to succeed. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting perspective. So as you can see, private equity does have some misconceptions and I'm sure a lot of things in investing do. So we'd highly suggest that you kind of do more research and talk to more industry professionals just kind of to debunk them yourself. But something within our internship that we kind of hear a lot is the term accredited investor. And so what exactly does that mean for our listeners who don't exactly know yet? And being so young, how did you become one yourself? So being an accredited investor essentially is like a self-proclaimed threshold of, of net worth that essentially allows an individual to trade uh, securities that are typically not registered on financial with financial authorities. Um, so the North American government, as well as the European government in a different fashion, utilizes the accredited investor denomination in order to protect uneducated uneducated investors from losing substantial amounts of capital that could really harm their day-to-day -day lives. Um, there's kind of three thresholds uh, that are kind of uh, credentials that you might need to meet in order to become an investor. You only actually need to accomplish one of the three. Um, they are having an annual income of $300,000 per year over the course of two years, having a net worth exceeding $5 million or owning uh, a property outside of your home address or your main residence that is worth more than $1 million. So uh, for me personally, and, and how I became an accredited investor, I, without diving too deep into it, it, there was a lot of luck and being at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. A lot of our um, like targeted audience here are younger people. I know this is a little bit off topic here, but um, 
do you have any advice for how they might be able to start to get involved a little bit? Just because um, sometimes like coming out of university, it's going to be really hard to kind of get those credentials, right? Um, is there, there's no way around it or is there a way to get involved without having those credentials in private equity? So typically there is not any sort of workarounds. There is the potential to, to invest in like a friends and family round if you're very close to the company and things like that. But outside of those kind of typical foundations, it's pretty tough to work around. Um, however, something that Red Thread Ventures is actually trying to, to fix itself is, is allow for these individuals who are not accredited to potentially get themselves into a situation where they can invest in, in, in the uh, private market because we deem it a little bit unfair. I, personally, from my own perspective, uh, I'm 27. And even though I have 15 years of experience, if I didn't have the accreditation status, I wouldn't have been able to invest into these markets. And I would like to think that I have a little bit more industry expertise than a person who just happens to make $300,000 a year in some random other industry. Um, so personally, I, I think the system's a little bit flawed in that manner, but um, there is works by the government to, to try and change that. I know in Alberta specifically, where I, I actually reside, um, the government just recently released a educated investor status where you're allowed to invest, I, th I believe it's $30,000 in any given year or $25,000 in, in one company. If you are a self-educated investor by standards that you can deem yourself uh, worthy. But so, so there's stepping stones in place, but it's a slow moving road and hopefully that can change in the future. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Um, so for younger people, um, do you think maybe a good stepping stone would be involve themselves more in public markets then to kind of gain that expertise and gain that experience kind of like you did? And then once they have that experience there, maybe they've raised enough capital through those public markets to put into private equity? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would think that that is the best place to, to learn because that is personally where I actually got my expertise is the public markets. And, and there's a lot of easy ways to, to ease yourself into uh, the public markets. And really anybody can do it. You just need to be uh, willing to learn and, and willing to educate yourself. We know that you've been working at Red Thread for quite some time now, and a lot of these uh, young people are kind of interested in exploring what industries are out there. Uh, in your opinion, what's your favorite thing about working in private equity? Uh, as I stated kind of earlier, in public investing, your capital doesn't really have an impact on the company once yeah. they're at scale. If I'm investing a thousand bucks or even 50,000 bucks, is that going to impact their day-to-day -day lives or their day-to-day -day of the company? Possibly, but it's pretty unlikely. Um, for me, I like to have the ability to feel like the entrepreneur and work alongside these incredible individuals. If I invest $50,000, I know that that money is going to be pretty substantial to them. That could mean something as small as like a month of runway for their company or something as large as financing a new team member uh, for their uh, for their company. And that that's pretty, pretty important. Um, also, working in private equity is all about networking. And myself personally, I'm an extreme extrovert. I thrive on meeting and talking to new people. And, and so I find that a lot of fun. Awesome. It definitely sounds like then with private equity, there's a bit more of that purpose behind it and less of that, you know, passive income kind of side to it. 
Um, so something that Emma and I really enjoy within our internship is attending all these pitch presentations and seeing a lot of different pitch decks, pitch styles, which we're going to incorporate a bit into our case competitions that we love doing. So with that being said, when you are kind of viewing these presentations, what exactly are you kind of looking for when you are vetting deals? And what are some signs of a good business model or a good company or even a CEO? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I guess uh, I'll, I'll speak to both the public and the uh, private markets. The public markets, as mentioned with the Warren Buffett mentality, I just encourage anybody to, to learn about their, their methods and that, that'll really help you identify uh, potential good fundamental companies. Uh, I'll get to some resources later on. Uh, in the private marketplace, as mentioned, it's all about the management team. Uh, all, as I tell all the companies that come towards us, they, they have these projections and forecasts and they're very important, don't get me wrong, but they're mostly based off of non-proven non numbers. So you need to be able to identify companies that are solving a problem, that have a workable product, and, and most importantly, as mentioned, a, a team that has the ability to, to push the needle. Um, now you asked for characteristics uh, of a CEO that might show uh, that they're the, capable of pushing the needle. Um, fortunately for the people listening to this call, the answer is there's no right answer. Um, it, it's about being yourself and more importantly than anything else, showing an ability to learn and take criticism. Uh, if you're able to kind of couple that with your in-industry expertise and, and um, I guess willingness to, to take advice, you have a good chance of moving forward. Now, obviously there is the salesman of the world and that always helps when you're trying to raise capital and people are gonna do better than that. So I would encourage anybody listening, if you are an entrepreneur looking to start a company and you're not sure if you have what it takes, identify your weaknesses. And instead of the cliche of working on your weaknesses, build on your strengths and try and partner with somebody who has strengths where your weaknesses lie, rather than trying to better yourself in an area that you may not have the forte of, of being in. Uh, there's no shame in identifying yourself as a poor public speaker and, and getting a teammate that's a great public speaker if you have the technical background. It's about being a team and, and working together as a management group, not an individual. That's really cool. Um, kind of shows the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people, um, right? And just being open and willing to get advice uh, from those said people, right? That's kind of what we do at Red Thread Ventures. We're here to provide these companies that we're investing in with good advice and strong advice to help them grow their business. So uh, there's two sides. Being receptive to that feedback as well is just as important. Um, so Moving on, um, has there been any memorable Red Thread Venture projects or companies that you've been work with and that, that you've been working with? And then why have they kind of stuck out in your mind? So I, I guess uh, I'll try and reshape your question a little bit. It, for me, I, the most memorable moment I've had in Red Thread Ventures was actually my first day. And it touches on a few companies that we worked with as well as just kind of a unique experience. Um, so the very first day I, I, I got working at Red Thread Ventures. It was the first time I was able to really enter the industry. And I remember going in there the first day and having no idea uh, about what to expect. And, and so that day I ended up meeting three companies. Uh, one was an incredible femtech company, which we later uh, invested in. It, it was named Isle. And as a 27 year old 
uh, sports fanatic male, uh, I, I didn't really anticipate uh, my first experience being with uh, female health products, an area that I truly have no understanding in. But that was extremely neat. And then I followed that pitch with a pitch from a former NFL football player. And as mentioned, a uh, young guy that loves sports, I was pretty uh, awestruck. And that was just something completely unexpected. And then following that meeting, I ended up taking a, a meeting with a new cancer-related drug treatment that helps uh, pancreatic colon and, and breast cancer patients uh, with hopefully uh, aiding in, in their battle with cancer. And that company there, we ended up uh, working alongside and, and bringing them to IPO and they're named Racavina. So it just overall, if I can really speak to anything with my experience with Red Thread and something that's memorable for anybody trying to look into this industry is no two days are the same and you really get to meet some incredible individuals that otherwise I likely would not have met. And you'd get exposure to companies that I otherwise wouldn't uh, really inform myself with, like IELT, that are quite impressive. So it's a really unique industry to be a part of. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think even for Emma and, ourself, and myself, like we can say that no two days are the same for us as well. And it just comes to show like how many different industries you get to touch on when you're part of private equity or a part of Red Thread Ventures itself. So now moving on to more of a, I guess, lighthearted question, but I believe you said you started investing when you were about 12. So do you remember your first ever investment when you were at that age? And if so, what was that like? Was it more of a failure story or was were you a natural right off the bat? Well, first of all, I, I definitely was not a natural. I don't think that's a, that's a thing when you enter this industry. There's definitely a learning curve, but I was fortunate enough that it was a success story. Um, so as mentioned earlier, the reason why I'm here in this industry today is uh, my father was a really successful entrepreneur. And in addition to that, I was the accident of the family, so to speak. My brothers are eight and 11 years older than me. And so when I was 12, my dad approached me and he said, hey, I got this opportunity uh, to invest into this IPO on behalf of uh, myself and, and your two brothers. And do you want to take part? And I absolutely jumped on it. Uh, the investment was mine. All I had to do is repay the principal of the investment upon fruition of, of the IPO. And fortunately, it worked out. And uh, it kind of changed my life, to be honest. I, I started managing my own portfolio from that point on, and I loved it. And for reference, once again, to both you and the listeners, I had no idea what I was doing, and I have no, had no clue where to start. If it wasn't for my father giving me some great resources, it would be pretty daunting to, to enter this sort of industry and have no understanding of it. But don't worry, it can easily be done by anybody willing to learn. There's a lot of incredible resources out there, and, and I'll touch on a few of the ones that I identify with later on. Yeah, I can kind of relate there. My dad's really involved in this industry um, and investing too, although um, I didn't start investing until this year, and it was more of a experiment for myself, um, just because I didn't know what I was doing, as you were saying, and I didn't have any experience prior on. So I just put a little bit of my money from the paychecks that I've been getting away into um, Well Simple. I was like, I'm just going to play with this. Let's just see what happens. I'll put it into companies, uh, see if they grow, if they fail, whatever. It's a learning experience. Um, so it's nice to hear that you had a little bit of a positive experience. It's a little bit reassuring um, over here. But um, 
what is some advice about business and investing that you wish you knew when you were like in our position as in a, as you in university just starting out um yeah first and foremost don't be afraid to fail um as you mentioned you you can't be afraid to fail it's a, a pivotal part to the learning process in, in this industry and you always have to be willing to lose anything that you're investing at the end of the day this is not a guaranteed industry and your capital that you're investing is hopefully going to give you a return but there's no guarantee of that and in fact it could go in the opposite end and you can end up losing that money and in terms of threshold everybody seems to believe when they first start that they need to invest significant amounts of capital that'll really impact their lives. The threshold truly doesn't matter. The lessons are the same, whether you're working with a $5 investment through, uh, I think there's a coin purse app that allows you to, to collect your pocket change and take small ownerships in, in certain stocks, or whether you're doing something really substantial like a $100,000 investment. The numeric values will continue to increase in in, in terms of capital as you age. And it doesn't matter where you begin, the lessons that you learn along the way are always the same. It's just a little bit more scary the more money you put in. So for me personally, I learned a lot more about my substantial failures than I had the wins that I may have just stumbled upon. That's a great advice, especially more towards like a, more of a, like a mindset thing. But um, how are there any ways that we can go and be more proactive about minimizing those failures? So for me, like when I was getting into investing, I literally had to search up like investing for dummies. And even that was a bit too like complex. And I was like, I just need someone to put this into plain English for me. And I guess that's kind of the purpose of our podcast as well. But what are some resources that you would recommend for a beginner investor? So uh, first and foremost, Investopedia, yes, I know it sounds ridiculous, is a great resource. It gives you a lot of understanding in terms of definitions and understanding basic principles. And it, plus it's free, so that's always nice as well. Um, in addition to that, the, some actual uh, resources that I, I really uh, leaned on when I was younger was uh, a book named The uh, Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Warren Buffett himself describes the book as the best book ever created in, in terms of investing. And he also quotes himself and says, of all the investments he's ever made, buying that book was the best one. And, and so ultimately, uh, that's a, an incredible resource, one that will really teach you the fundamentals of, of working in this industry. And uh, that that's one that I would definitely encourage people to read. In addition to The Intelligent Investor, I would also encourage you guys to purchase The Warren Buffett Way by Robert Hagstrom. Uh, this is kind of like step two, if you're interested in, in, in listening to that one. The Intelligent Investor talks about, I guess, the fundamentals and the viewpoints of how to invest, whereas The Warren Buffett Way kind of dives more into his actual uh, mentality and how he approaches investments. Um, but once again, another basics book and uh, one that will provide you with some great scope um, moving forward. Uh, upon learning the basics as well, don't be afraid to use resources like Google and YouTube. There's a ton of incredible influencers out there as well as a ton of uh, incredible websites that are just going to aid you in your journey. Um, and most importantly, never assume that you know everything. There's nobody in history who has actually proved that they know how the, the stock market perfectly operates, including Warren Buffett. And I, I guess lastly, uh, as a closing tip, um, this career is 
all about networking, network, network, network. My entire career started by moving to an entire new city, sending out random emails to people that I Googled within the industry. And I sent out about a hundred emails. One person happened to respond. And it's the reason why I'm working here today and involved in this industry. Please do not be afraid to put your name out there. Um, the absolute worst thing they can do is say no or not respond to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that some of the best learnings really are coming from these like interpersonal connections, like talking to you today, talking to all these people at Red Thread Ventures. Their, their stories and their experiences are stuff that you wouldn't really be able to get from just any other book, really. Um, so forming those connections, especially through LinkedIn, now that we have that as a resource for us, it's just so easy to connect to so many of these different people. Um, yeah, well, with that being said, is there any other questions that we didn't get a chance to ask you today that you'd like to share um, with us or? So I guess the only question I'd have for you guys is, have you enjoyed uh, learning a little bit about the public markets and trying something a little bit new and probably out of your comfort zone? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not as scary as I thought it was going to be, at least like when you put your money into like Wealth Simple, like Emma and I have for like the past month, it's, you kind of forget about it. But like, it's been fun to like learn how the markets move and how different industries react to different things. But all in all, it's, it's been really fun and really interesting, but overall, not as scary as we thought it was going to be at all. And I would echo that uh, to everybody out there um, start off small and don't be afraid that it's a small numeric learn and understand about your returns before scaling up the numeric and it'll be a, a fun, easy way to make some money. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Marco, for taking the time to meet with us today and to for being our inaugural guest speaker on this program. Um, it's, I, I find it pretty crazy how much that we were able to learn from you today, even after working with you for a few months now. Um, there's a lot I didn't know about your story, actually, and how you started at 12 um, when you started investing. So I really hope that our listeners um, found this episode just as insightful as I did today. And that they're able to apply some of these stories to their career paths and kind of look at a closer insider scoop on um, what your journey has been like in the finance space. So as usual, please stay tuned to all of our upcoming episodes featuring more guest interviews. Make sure you're following our LinkedIn, Spotify, and subscribed on YouTube so that you can stay up to date with all things Red Thread and never miss an episode of Making Sense. See you all next week. Thank you.